Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 23. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Romans chapter 16, look it up in your own time. Alex and Rufus, who are his two boys, he makes his way up front. The Roman soldier says, hey, put the, put the sword right there. He makes his way up front and, and, and he finds himself carrying the cross and his boys are looking. And they watch dad. And they see what dad is doing. And they see the interaction that's going on. And that not only affected Simon for the rest of his life, but it affected his children for the rest of their life. And what I'm trying to tell you is, listen, this is what I want personally. This is how I want to carry my cross. I want to do it well. I want to do it well enough that my children get infected and carry their cross. But can I tell you something? You can't Give someone something that you don't have. You cannot give your children Jesus if you don't have him in your heart. You can't. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. You cannot give your children a heart of worship if you don't have one in your heart. You can't give your children the desire to pray if you don't pray. When things get bad, you can't give your children the, 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 the wisdom and, and the understanding that, sweetie, things are bad in your marriage, but you need to stick it out for the Lord. You need to stick it out for Jesus. You need to get on your knees and pray for your husband or pray for your wife. You can't give them that if you don't have it. It's almost like the measles. You can't give it unless you have them. And what took place that day? Affected Simon, affected his boys, and it changed them. And thus, you know, we as parents, we 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 we, we gotta watch, you gotta watch your witness, watch your witness not only to the world but to your kids. What are you doing to your children? All this at home, talking about this and that and the other, and whatever it is, whatever your situation is. Whatever's going on, whether, you know, you go go home, talk about the church or whatever, whatever it is, don't do that in front of your children. They're listening. And someday they're going to have to take up their beam. And they're going to have to make that decision for themselves where we got to move on. Look at verse 27. It tells us while Simon is carrying the cross, a multitude of people. Are you looking at verse 27? If you're looking at it, say amen. While Simon is carrying the cross, a multitude of people follow. And women are crying. And Jesus turns and says, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for those, for yourselves, for your kids. Because the days are coming when they'll say, blessed are the barren wounds that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. 
And again, if you've been around here, you know this, that Jesus is weeping because he can see through the quarters of time. He can see A.D. 70 when Titus Vespasian and the 5th, the 10th, and the 12th Roman legion come marching into Jerusalem. They're like the Green Berets, and they come marching into Jerusalem, and they surround the city, and they surround the people. And they stay there for more than one year, and there's 2.5 million Jews killed. And 97,000 are taken in slavery. And before the siege ended, there was a plague in the city and disease and cannibalism, and mothers are eating their children, and things will be so bad, they'll be crying for death. And that's why Jesus says, blessed are the barren and those who never gave birth. So Simon has the privilege to carry the cross of Jesus. And what a privilege it was. What a privilege it was. In Israel, there's so many shrines. I don't know if you went on our last uh, trip. There's shrines everywhere in Israel. And there's a shrine in Israel where uh, Simon, you know, where, where they believe that the stump that the cross, uh, the tree stump that the cross was cut from, uh, it's like a holy shrine now, and people come from all over the world to touch the stump. Just to, you know, put their hands on the stump, and, you know, there's all kinds of shrines there. And, you know, there's a shrine of the Mount of Ascension. You know, the Mount of Ascension is the place where Jesus' foot last touched before he left the earth. And they say that when Jesus ascended into heaven, his blast off was so powerful that it left a footprint in the rock. And people go to Israel and, you know, they got to go see the rock where Jesus blasted off from. I just honestly, in my mind's here, I just honestly, I just, I just see Jesus like, <laughs> just like blasting off. And then people go there and go, oh, this is this place. And then there's a shrine, the shrine of the white rock. And they actually call this, and you can Google this. It, it's called Milk Grotto, G-R-O-T-T-O. And this is where Mary was nursing Jesus, and a drop of milk fell from her breast, they, they believe, and it turned the rock white. And even today, if a woman is having trouble lactating or nursing or infertility or something like that, they will go travel all the way to Israel just to touch the rock and pray. Listen, if you have a problem lactating, nursery, uh, infertility, you don't have to go all the way to Israel. Just go to the children's ministry. <laughs> go to the children's ministry. Every, I'm telling you, you just go serve down there, you will get pregnant. <laughs> All you got to do is walk in the door and you get pregnant. Isn't that right? I'm telling you, it's, you know what I'm saying is true. I'm not making this up. I'm telling you, one day I got a call and I had to go visit. I was going to go visit uh, this, this couple, and uh, two phone calls in one, in one day in the same hospital, pe two ladies who attend here had their baby the same day, and I went to the hospital and visit with one and then go visit with the other. Listen, you don't got to go to Israel. Go right to the children's ministry. Just start serving, and all of a sudden, you will be with child. <laughs> You'd be like, honey, I'm pregnant. How'd that happen? 
It just, it just does. All kinds of shrines in Israel. They got the Church of the Holy Sepulcher and, 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 and it's located inside the city walls. And many say that this is where Jesus was crucified. Listen, the only problem with that is the Bible says he was crucified outside the city concerning the cross. At one time, get this, there were churches that were selling splinters from the original cross of Jesus. There was also two or three churches in Europe at the very same time selling splinters of the original cross of Jesus. And one guy knew of this, and he said with the number of splinters being sold, the cross would have had to have been the size of Noah's Ark. <laughs> so then they came up with the miracle of multiplication. So every time they would break a splinter off, it grows back again. Listen, I don't know about many of these things, but one thing I do know, the real cross is long gone, but there is still plenty of room at the cross. Is that right? And there's still enough cross to go around. Every time I say that, I think of that song, there's room. Y'all know that? At the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you. Little gospel. Though millions have come. There's room for one, there is room at the cross for you, 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 and you. (laughs) Little gospel, my people, little gospel for my people. But there's room at the cross. Somebody clap your hands for Jesus. Will you do that? Yes. And then in verse 31, notice if they've done this when the tree is green and there is life, what will happen when it's dry and ready for judgment? In other words, if this is the faith of the innocent, Jesus referring to himself, what will happen to the guilty? Well, notice saints in verse 32. If you're looking at verse 32, say amen. There were also, how many criminals? Two led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand, the other on the left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Oh, read it with me. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and they cast lots. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is a Christ, the chosen of God. Well, the soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews and save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, then save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, don't you even fear God, seeing you are under Underline this, you are under the same condemnation, and we indeed justly. For we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, definitely, for certain, show enough. It's in the Greek. You guys just read it. 
Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. There are two criminals also headed to Calvary to be put to death. When they got to Calvary, they crucified Jesus and the criminals. Matthew tells us it was called Golgotha, which in Aramaic means the skull. Calvary is Greek for cranium. So if people ask you where you're going to church, you can tell them you go to Cranium Chapel. It's right there. Yes? So they come to Calvary, and they would lay the criminal on the cross. Get this in your mind's eye. They would lay the criminal on the cross beam and put the six-inch nail or eight, six to eight-inch nail through his wrist and hands. And then they lifted him up and dropped him down in the hole. Historians tell us, get this, saints, as you leave Rome, the roads were lined for miles with crosses and people hanging on them. Is that not gruesome? As you leave the city, the road is lined with people hanging on the cross. And those people have been crucified. They're out there all night. Jackals would come and begin to eat at their feet. They're suffering and agonizing in pain for hours, maybe even days till death. So crucifixion for Roman soldiers was everyday business. And honestly, that's why the Bible says, if you read the Bible, notice it says, and they crucified him. It doesn't say anything else. It just says, and they crucified him. And that's it. The reason is because crucifixion was horrible. It was terrible. You didn't talk about it. You didn't explain it. They crucified him. As a matter of fact, in Roman culture, it was impolite to even talk about it publicly. You know, there's some things you just don't talk about. Well, crucifixion was one of those things. You just don't talk about it. Jesus has been crucified between two thieves. The chief priests in the crowd are mocking and saying he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. Matthew 27, 42, if you're taking notes, tells us, they said, he himself, he cannot save. And listen, they were right. He did save others. And they were right. He himself, he could not save. Because he came to save. Amen, saints? He himself, he could not save because he came to save. And if Jesus saved himself, he couldn't save you. And we would still be in our sins. And we would still be miserable and headed for hell. So Jesus hung up on the cross, not because the nails kept him there, but because love kept him there. Are you glad about it? Love kept him there. And while Jesus is hanging on the cross, an inscription was written on a board over his head, which read, this is the king of the Jews. Now, usually, get this, look at me. Usually, when a criminal or a convicted person was carrying their their cross, they would write their crime on a plaque and hang it around their neck. So as they're carrying their cross, their crime is hanging here, and everybody, as you walk by, everybody could see it. But this plaque was placed over Jesus' head in Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. In Greek, because it was a common language of the people. Latin, because it was the language of the government and power. Hebrew, because it was the language of religion. This is the king of the Jews. It's written in every language. And get this. They seek to nail one of the criminals to the cross. And of course, there's resistance. And then they seek to nail the other. And he's fighting even harder. And when they come to nail Jesus, no fighting. No resistance. Why? 
Because Jesus knew that he had come for this very hour. Did y'all hear me? Jesus knew that he had come for this very hour. The Bible says that he set his face like a flint toward Jerusalem. Everything he did and every moment of every day, he understood the end is the cross. That's the way he lived. And that's the way we should live. Every moment, every day, our end should be the cross. To crucify myself that Christ might live in me. I am crucified, but yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We ought to live our lives just like that. Jesus had his face set like, set like a flint to go to the cross, so he came for this very hour. He came to be a lamb led to the slaughter. So Jesus stretches out his arms, laid it on the beam, and they nail him to the cross. Now notice in verse 34, please look at verse 34. Look at it. In verse 34, the language is very interesting because it says that Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, the idea in the Greek language is, as they were nailing Jesus to the cross, he was saying over and over, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The other guys were wrestling, and Jesus was praying. Father, forgive them. So they would nail, are you getting the picture? Huh? They would nail Jesus, they would take his hand, and, and, and the other prisoners, they probably had to, get that hand out there, get those hands open, get, get it out there. With Jesus, Jesus probably just lay there because he was a lamb led to the slaughter. Somebody help me. He was a lamb led to the slaughter. And, and Jesus just, just, and they took the nail and into his hand, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he took his other hand and the nail. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And, and they took his feet and put them on top of each other and nailed it through. Father, forgive them. As they were nailing him to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. And listen, these Roman soldiers have done this a thousand times, but I don't think they've ever seen anything like this in their duty. Oh, I don't think so. And that's why they said later on, truly, this was the son of God. That's why they never see anything like that. No struggle. No fighting. And even as I'm nailing them to the cross, they're praying for me. Who? What? They never seen anything like this. So he hangs on the cross and everything goes black. And, and then finally one of the soldiers says, man, this was really the son of God. Because he had never seen anything like that on his watch. So while hanging on the cross, one of the criminals said, save yourself. The other said, don't you have any respect or fear for God seeing you're under the same condemnation? Listen, I had you underline that because that's true, isn't it? We are all under the same condemnation. I don't care what color you are. I don't care. Like Steve said earlier, it doesn't matter. I don't care what background you come from. I don't care how rich or how poor. I don't care how educated or non-educated. I do not. It does not matter. We are all under the same condemnation. Even the royal family, 
is under the same condemnation. Kate Middleton, Prince Williams, they're under the same condemnation. Goodness gracious, they're making all over this one wedding. I ain't never seen anything like that in my life. Then you know you got it going on when you can ride in a glass coach. Now you got it like that. If you can ride in a glass coach, ride by and just wave at people. That's what you call, you got it going on. Everybody making, oh, Prince and Kate and all the royal family. Let me tell you something. The royal family is under the same condemnation. We all, listen, it doesn't matter. Red and yellow, black and white. We all going to die. Wouldn't that be a great kid song? Boy, you you done messed it up now, huh? Come on, kids. Let's sing a song. Red and yellow, black and white, we all going to die. <laughs> like, they're thinking we're going to go red and yellow, black and white. We're all fresh as in. It's like, Jesus, love it. Nope. Red and yellow, black and white, we all going to die. We're all under the same condemnation. It doesn't matter who you are. This thief is confessing in verse 41. Listen, I'm coming in. This thief is confessing his sin. We indeed justly are hanging here for our sins that we committed, but this man has done nothing wrong. Listen, that's confession. And Jesus, notice, Jesus Barely, he says, Lord, remember me when you get in your kingdom. Jesus barely has a breath. This is how much he loves us. He barely has a breath left in him. And he looks over and he says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. You know how much breath it took for him to just say that. And he says, today you'll be with me in my kingdom. What's interesting to me is the the thief who said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What's interesting to me is how did he even know he had a kingdom? Where'd he get that from? I don't know. Somewhere, something affected him. I don't know where in the whole process, whether it was, you know, when, when Simon took the beam, I don't know where in the process, but something changed this man's heart. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Listen, everyone standing there mocking Jesus. Oh, don't point the finger. We were all God mockers. I was a God mocker. You were a God mocker. We were all God's God mockers. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. And I honestly think that Jesus is still saying today, Father, forgive them. He's looking at the world today and saying, Father, forgive them. Because we're all God mockers. Let me read you this and then I'm going to close. Somebody wants to pen this poem. I love it. It says, "'Twas I that shed the sacred blood. I nailed him to a tree. I crucified the Christ of God. I joined the mockery. Of all the shouting multitude, I feel that I am one. In that den of voices rude, I recognize my own. Around the cross, the throng I see, mocking the sufferers groan. Yet still my voice, it seems to be as if I mock alone. We were all God 
mockers at some point. But God loved us so much so that he sent his son to die for us. And the Bible says, whoever believes in that, whoever puts their faith and their trust in Jesus shall be saved. God wants to save you. God is here today and you're here today because at some point in your life, you mock God. And God wants to save you. That's all I'm trying to tell you. And I'm just trying to tell you God loves you. And God is sent his son to die for you. And all of what we've read and all of what we've talked about has everything to do with God demonstrating his love towards you in that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. I'm glad about it. I don't know about you, but I'm glad about it. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.